thing that we do every Saturday night is we lift our Bibles over our heads. So go ahead and do that. And uh, this is just a way that we affirm in our own hearts that we believe that this is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thy word, O Lord. That was old school King James right there. Thy word. Everybody say it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and we do pray that tonight we would be, um, that our steps would be illuminated before us, and we know that you care deeply about us, and you are leading us with your voice, and uh, even if we are in the valley, we are not too far, too deep, too high, too far away uh, to hear um, your voice and to be led by you. And so I pray that tonight as we, as we dive in, we would have a, um, a, a sense in our heart, a knowing deep inside of us that you are good, you're for us, and you're not going to leave us. In fact, you are leading us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You can be seated. We are on um, week number five of a teaching series called Psalm 23. His voice in my valley. And uh, personally, I'm loving this teaching series. How many of you guys are enjoying it? Really liking it. Something that we've said every week is that we want to be able to walk out of here with an understanding, uh, a knowing, a revelation that we are the sheep of a very good shepherd. Amen? How many of you have, have um, taken the challenge upon you to memorize Psalm 23? Some of you have. I know you've told me. Um, it's something I said. Hopefully by the end of this series, we will all have Psalm 23 memorized. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me or brings me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's where we're at so far. Okay. Tonight, we're going to look at He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, let me go ahead and give you the title of this sermon. My ruts. R-U-T-S. Ruts. My ruts. Go ahead and that write down. And then while you're writing this down, let me go ahead and give you this whole sermon in one sentence. The reputation of the shepherd depends upon the condition of his sheep. The reputation of the shepherd depends upon the condition of his sheep. And what I want to do is I want to break down this verse. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I want to break it down into three sections, okay? Uh, He guides right paths and his name. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, And what I want to do is I want to do it backwards. I hope that's not weird or completely inconvenient for anyone, but we're going to start with his name, okay? So the first thing we're going to look at is his name. Write that down. When it says for his name's sake, what it means is for the sake of his own reputation. For his name's sake. It's for his reputation. When a shepherd makes it possible for his sheep to rest in green pastures or when the shepherd goes out of his way, goes the extra mile to bring his sheep beside quiet water so that they can refresh themselves and and drink. When a shepherd um, goes looking for that one goofy sheep that has to wander off and ends up getting himself in trouble, he has the health and the safety of his sheep in mind, but he also knows that his own reputation is on the line. Think about it. Maybe he's raising sheep 
to sell at auction. Or maybe he's raising sheep because he's going to sell it for meat. Or maybe he's raising sheep because he's going to sell it for wool. Whatever it is. Yeah, man, Billy Bob, I mean, he's a good shepherd. I mean, anything, any of his sheep, you can count on those being quality sheep. His sheep are always so healthy. I mean, or maybe the shepherd's reputation is, yeah, man, I wouldn't buy anything from Billy Bob. His sheep look terrible, pitiful. He's a terrible shepherd. Because the, the reputation of the shepherd depends upon the condition of his sheep. Sheep are a reflection of their shepherd. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Why would he do that? Well, actually, it's for his own name's sake, his own reputation. Everything God does, he does for his own name's sake, for the sake of his reputation. Okay, the, let me just give you real quick the churchy word for reputation. It's glory. Everybody say glory. Say it like you got it in your soul. Glory. See, white hanky and we will be complete. Glory. That's the churchy word for it, okay? Glory. His reputation. His glory. It's a word that's used all the time in the church and rightfully so because the Bible is filled with the word glory. In fact, it's probably the main point of this book. His glory. Can I get a witness in the room? That's the point of this book. Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. You know, I've heard people say that, um, I've heard people say that God created it all for us. The earth and the moon and the stars and the sun. In fact, the entire universe, God created it for us to enjoy and explore. And that sounds good, but it's not, it's not quite accurate. Psalm 24, verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's. And all that it contains, the worlds and those who dwell in it, us. It all, it all belongs to the Lord. Colossians 1.17, some of us are familiar with this verse. All things were created through him and for him. You guys hear that? Okay, so to say that it was all created for us, well, wouldn't that... Wouldn't that actually put us at the center of the universe? There's something about that seem off, <laughs> right? Something about us being at the center of the universe doesn't even sound right. Psalm 97 verse 6 says that the heavens proclaim his righteousness. Not our righteousness, his righteousness. And all peoples see his glory. In other words, all nations will see his glory. And that's why we can't just lead our lives. We can't just live our lives any way we want to, any way we feel like, any way we like. Because if a sheep is the reflection of their shepherd and our lives are a pitiful sight. Are you guys tracking with me? Listen to me. If sheep are a reflection of their shepherd and then our lives are a pitiful sight, who would want to follow our shepherd? Isn't that right? First Peter 2, 9. Peter says, you're a cho- chosen race. He's talking to Christians, talking to believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. That's another way of saying proclaiming his glory. You guys see that? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous 
light. We, we sing songs about that come from that verse. Okay, he says, a people for his own possession. Sheep owned by a shepherd. Sheep whose very lives reveal just how excellent the shepherd who owns them is. Isaiah 60. I actually want you to turn there. Is that okay? Isaiah 60. There's a few, there's a few versions. And, and I'm going to talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out so many scriptures tonight. I had somebody ask me one time, why do you, why do you use so many scriptures? And I just kind of looked at them. Anyway, why do you use so many scriptures? Um, uh, okay, so where were we? It's Isaiah 60. And just verse 21, um, it says, Then all your people will be righteous. Let's back up to 20. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the days of your mourning, your sadness, will be over. Then... All your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. The branch of my planting. The work of my hand. That I may be glorified. Did you see that? All those things that he's going to do for his people Israel. Why is he going to do it? So that he would be glorified. Did you see that? And did you also see that he said. That Isaiah said. Then all of your people will be righteous. You guys listen to me. When we are righteous, when we actually do what the word of God says to do, we obey him, we do the right things, we choose um, his ways over our ways. When we do that, it brings God glory. And that's why Jesus said, let your light so shine in such a way, in such a way that they will glorify, they will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So, so what do pe- when people look at me, what do they see? What do they see when they look at you? What do they see? What does my, um, what does my wool <laughs> look like? Last week we talked about how our wool can get tangled up with all kinds of stuff in the world. You guys remember that? What does my wool look like? Listen, I'm going to ask this question. Y'all listen to me. Would the quality of my life make someone else want to choose my shepherd? Can I say that one again? Would the quality of my life make someone else who doesn't know who my shepherd is, would they want to choose my shepherd based upon what they see of me as a sheep? Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representation on earth. We are his ambassadors as though God were making an appeal through us. Like God was urging people to know him, follow him, make, them, make him their shepherd through us. Like, like, you guys understand that? Urging people through us. Like, look, look at these people. You could be the sheep of the pastor that I have provided for this sheep. You could have that as well. Paul says in Romans, you yourself are a guide. There's that word guide. You yourself are a guide to the blind. A light to those who are in darkness. So for his name's sake, 
For his reputation, for his glory, he guides me in paths of righteousness. You guys see that? Right paths. In fact, let's go ahead and look at that one. Right paths. Right paths. Before I talk to you about right paths, let me go ahead and kind of show you some things about wrong paths. I've been telling you that sheep are, um, that sheep are a handful. I, I have 10 sheep at my house. And one thing that a shepherd has to pay attention to is the, the habitual nature of sheep. And if they're left to themselves, listen to me, they can ruin even the best uh, range of land. Something that was once beautiful, they can destroy it. They'll graze the same area until there is nothing left but dirt. Okay, and they will follow the same trails to those areas until those trails have become worn in, worn out ruts. You guys hear what I'm saying? And if a sheep aren't tended to, if they're, if they're managed improperly for too long, what will happen is that they'll leave a wake of destruction. Okay, and you can't just say, well, put them out there and let them do their thing. Let them do what they do. You can't do that because their thing, their thing is to eat. That's all they do. That's they just eat. It's like their instincts to eat. And because they're creatures of habit, they will take the same trails to their favorite places to eat. And what happens is the fields become overgrown, overgrazed, I mean, to where the grass is just terrible, poor quality if there's any grass left at all. And listen, you guys know what happens when there's no grass. You know how the rains come and it creates, you know, from the hills and the slopes, it creates a runoff. It could just, it just kind of washes things out. And what happens is those little, those little sheep trails, those little ruts, they turn into big washed out gullies. How many of you ever seen that? Maybe you have land and you've seen these washed out gullies and you're like, how did this happen? It probably started with the trail of an animal, you know, or the trail of a vehicle or a trail of something. And the whole place becomes a landowner's nightmare. And, and it, it can get to the point where it's literally irreparable. In fact, uh, there's, I've heard this phrase before. I've heard someone say that, that yeah, that land was sheeped to death. <laughs> sheeped to death, you know. Again, they just, they're notorious creatures of happen, ha- habits. And this is what happens when, when they're left to their own way. They destroy things when they're left to their own destructive habits. And those, those favored spots, those places that they just have to go where the, you know, they've eaten so much, the grass gets too short. We've talked about this. They, they get infested with parasites. They, they poop and, and, and they have to eat too close to the ground, close to the poop. And, and, uh, and they end up getting parasites. And they pick up those parasites and they distribute them all over the place. Even on those ruddy trails. And so there's really nowhere they go that they are not dealing with the very parasites that they're picking up from the devastation that they've left in the first place. You guys see that? And so in a very short time, a whole flock can be infested with parasites and all kinds of diseases. And the sheep become sick. They become thin. And they're just overall pitiful looking. I've told you about that. People pass by, right? And, and do they point the finger at the sheep and just say, why, why would that sheep do that to itself? When they see those poor, nasty-looking sheep out in the field, is that what they say? They Look at those sheep. Why would they have left themselves? Why would they have messed up their lives in such a way? That's not what they say. They're like, why would their shepherd not take better care of them? Isn't what they would say? Their first thought isn't about the sheep. They might say, poor sheep. 
But if they go any further in their thinking, they're going to recognize that it was the shepherd's fault. That dude can't take care of his sheep. I was telling you, I have sheep, and I, I, I told you, I don't remember what week it was, but I told you about um, how um, number 27 and number 29 of my sheep, they got parasites, they got worms. I missed my worming date, and they were eating in places they shouldn't have been. And so it equaled worms, and they got sick. 27 was really bad, 29 not as bad. And uh, I'm glad to say that they are finally starting to do a lot better. Can we give 27 and 29 a round of applause? <laughs> I will be sure to play this podcast back so that they can hear it out in the pasture. Y'all hear that? They're rooting for you, girls. They're doing better, you know. But I can remember, I, I mean, and even still, I'm, I'm just embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. You know, two of my, two of my uncles, um, they raise sheep. Man, their, their sheep look awesome. And they've been doing it longer. And so if nothing else, maybe my reputation is that I'm green, that I'm new to this whole thing. Because I do love my sheep and I do try to take care of them. But it's embarrassing, Right? right? It's embarrassing. Like I was telling my, I was telling somebody the other day, somebody was talking about swim lessons, lots of swim lessons going on. And I said, I I taught all my boys, this has nothing to do with, well, I guess it might. Okay. I taught all my kids how to swim, um, except for Emma Kate. All my boys, I taught how to swim. Emma Kate, I took her to UT Tyler. They had the swim lessons and it was kind of cheap and I took them and, and uh, she was, she was way earlier than the boys, but Melissa was like, I want her swimming. And so I took her two times, both times pooped in the pool <laughs> both times both times I exit the pool with her in one hand and a pile of poop in the other and just like and I'm embarrassed you know because my kids did that. whatever that has nothing really to do with this but it came to my mind and I shared and if nothing else now you can whatever I don't know listen the reputation of the shepherd depends upon the condition of his sheep and it's the same thing for us Christians, we're believers, Christians. It's the same thing. When we take wrong, ruddy, unrighteous paths, people see us and they think, man, what a joke. They see us in our ruts. They see our wrong decisions. They see our unrighteousness. And they're looking at us. They're always looking at us. Like, what a joke. Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Anybody ever heard that? Maybe it's come out of your own mouth. A bunch of hypocrites. Because we say that we are the sheep of a very good shepherd. But then we turn around and our life reflects nothing of the sort. It's, it's just, it's, it can be hypocrisy. Proverbs 14, 12, and then also in 16, 25, it says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. That's what it says. Isaiah 53 says something similar. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. What does our own way bring? It brings about death. We have unrighteous paths. We have these ruts in our lives, these wrong behaviors that are nothing more than habits. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. We have these behaviors in our lives that we know shouldn't be there. But at this point, they're just habits. Even when we try to break them, they're just habits. And we get lost Along the way, we get lost way more often than we should on those ruts, on those trails. Okay, so here's the good news. That seemed kind of intense. Here's the good news. David, who we know as the King David, the great shepherd king, he said, I have, this is what he said, I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me, for I have not forgotten your commands. It's a great prayer if you get lost, right? And then Jesus, who we know is the good shepherd, said, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, 
and then he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the field to go and to go after that lost one until he finds it. Now, I'm not, he's not going to give up until he finds it. What man wouldn't do that? This is what Jesus said. And then we know Peter, who was once a lost sheep, one that Jesus came and found. Here's what he says. You were like sheep going astray. You were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And the last week we talked about returning. We talked about repentance. We talked about we like to turn to our own ways, but we can turn back to God and, and go back to him, go back to our shepherd, come back into the sheepfold. We talked about that last week. You need to go back and listen. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd. And I like this. This is going to lead us into this next section. And to the overseer of our soul. To the overseer of our soul. He leads us to. He guides us. Okay. Guides us. To paths of righteousness. That word guide means basically what you think it would. To lead to bring to. But here's, a, here's a, a real prominent definition when you look it up in a Hebrew lexicon. It means to station. Okay, to station. So the shepherd is the overseer of his sheep. And listen to me. And all things that settle the soul, the soul of the sheep. We talked about how the good shepherd settles the soul of the sheep a couple of weeks ago. That was the sermon and sentence from a couple of weeks ago. The shepherd is the overseer of his sheep, but not just the sheep, all things that settle the soul of a sheep. A good shepherd knows what the sheep can do to the land, but he also knows what the land can do to the sheep. And so there's this big, huge thing he's paying paying attention to. So he guides his sheep. He stations them where the grazing is always fresh. Philip Keller, I told you, he, he wrote a book that I really, really like called Psalm 23, a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm. Listen to what he says. And he was a shepherd for years and years and years and years in Africa. The greatest single safeguard that a shepherd has in handling his flock is to keep them on the move. The greatest single safeguard that a shepherd has. That's a big statement. The greatest single safeguard in Handling his flock is to keep them on the move. The best way to protect the sheep and the land is to keep the sheep moving. Okay, you, 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 move, the, you move the sheep to new grazing areas as often as necessary. Um, these days we do what? We create paddocks. You guys have heard me talk about paddocks. I mean, you can do that with fencing these days. And so you just move them from paddock to paddock. And as long as there's plenty of water and as long as there's plenty of shade... Um, you can just leave them out there in that paddock. And so you keep an eye on the sheep. You keep an eye on the grass to try to know when you need to move them. Um, and when the grass gets to the point where the sheep need to be moved, um, you just put them on. You guide them, right? You station them in another paddock. But one of the ways that they would, you know, do the same concept in ancient times is they would, what they would do is they would, they would fan out from the, from the, um, from the sheepfold, we talked about that, the sheepfold or the, the base camp or their, or their barn or their farm, whatever, they would, they would fan out every day. And, and then they would come back and they would fan out. They would come out and they would go out in these wide circles and then come back. And then another day they would fan out. Because it's almost like, like lobes of a, of a clover. You guys know what I'm saying? 
It's what it would kind of look like, these little areas that they would do. And this is the way they would do it back then. And, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this. This is where you, this is where you, you find the definition of that word path. What is a right path? And though the definition is entrenchment, it can mean track, it can mean course, it can even be used, that word can be used to describe a rut. But one of the top definitions, one of the number one definitions is circle of encampment or circle of the camp. He guides me in the circle of the camp. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the sheepfold. We talked about how the shepherd was the gate of the sheepfold. There was a pen called a sheepfold. It had one entrance and the shepherd would sleep at the gate to make sure none of his sheep got out, but especially to make sure nothing, no predators came to get in. And I want you to look, we read this, but I want you to look there again. This is in John 10. And, and I just want to look at this one more time to show you um, this concept of what we're talking about here. If you look in verse 3, It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Look what it says. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Yes, I am the gate. Jesus is saying, I am the gate. I, I am the place of which they go out of. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. Now, I was reading that this week and I honestly believe that Jesus was referring to a way that a shepherd leads his flock out to the different grazing areas of his sheepfold. If you really consider him going out and coming back, when they go out, they go through me. When they come back in, they go in through me. Those different grazing areas of, around the sheepfold, which would have been like a base camp. The center of this, his grazing pattern. In and out. In and out. Every day, a new field to graze in. Fresh field. A plentiful field. One commentary I, I read said that, that this word is almost, could almost be translated circuits or, or even orbits. Think about that. He guides me in orbits of righteousness. Think about the planets around the sun. They orbit the sun. They go around the sun. What is at the center of our solar system? Right direct in the center, the sun. Okay, the daily life of a sheep revolves around that sheepfold and back in and out and back in and I was thinking this week I believe this points to biblical community I think it points to the church the body of Christ we go in and out of church or the presence of God in and out and out into the world but, but we don't get stuck in the parasite infested ruts do we? no because we have a good shepherd that's leading us when we go out and then the gate obviously is, is Jesus. We go in through him. We go out through him. He is at the center. You guys seeing that? He is at the center of our lives. Like our lives orbit around him. And I, I believe that Jesus, because they know the culture, they know the agricultural language he's talking. I think they're picking up what he's laying down. In Revelation 7 verse 17, it says, For the lamb 
is the center of the throne and he will be their shepherd (laughs) and will guide them to springs of the water of life. When Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is at the center of our life, when he is, he is on the throne of our hearts, he will always guide us. He will station us. He will move us so that we don't get stuck in our own unrighteous ruts. Isn't that good? The greatest single safeguard that a shepherd has in handling his flock is to keep them on the move. Now, there are people who refuse to move There are people who refuse to be moved and they end up walking the same paths over and over and over. The same things. You guys ever heard that term, going around the mountain? You just go, oh, here we go. We're going around the mountain again. We're going around the same path over and over and over with their own self-assertion. Like they're, they're asserting their own will. They're doing what they want to do. Their will is their guide and it's always the same thing. They create for themselves paths that lead to inevitable destruction. Remember what we read in Proverbs 14. There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end is the way of death. That verse actually goes on to say, even in laughter, the heart may be in pain. Even when you think it's going good, (laughs) there's actually something on the back end, the deep end, that's not good because it's your own way. Philippians 3.19, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay, if we're talking about Jesus being the center, then we're talking about the cross. Because what did Paul say? I die daily, every day. I'm going to come back to the center and I die daily. If you, if you can pick up that. I've got to come back to the cross. I've got to come back to the base camp every day. If I don't, then I'm probably, I've, I've picked up one of my old ruts somewhere. You guys see that? But when Christ is the center, I die daily. I come back to the sheepfold. I come back to the body of Christ and Jesus who is the head and the entrance into that. I want to end with three questions. and I want you to hear these. You can write them down if you like. What does your life say about God's reputation? You guys know me. I'm all about assessing making assessments of our lives. What does your life say about God's reputation? Remember we read in Romans a couple minutes ago that you yourself are a guide to the blind. Listen, you are a guide to the blind. You are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. But then remember what Jesus said. He said, if one blind person (laughs) guides another blind person, Won't they both fall into a ditch? We are called to be an extension of the shepherd, a representation of the shepherd. His reputation depends upon our condition. Are we paying attention to our condition? What does my life say about God's reputation? And here's here's a second question. What rut... R-U-T. What rut has God been trying to lead you out of? I felt specifically that this question is significant because many in this room and, and there's some in particular you've had a rut in mind as soon as we started talking about ruts. What rut has God been trying to lead you out of? Now take that question to heart. What rut? What worn out path, unrighteous path, wrong path 
has God been trying to get your attention and lead you, station you, pull you out of? You guys know, have you ever driven out in a pasture? In, in, the, uh, in the, the pasture that the, the truck goes back and forth to deliver hay or whatever. Have you ever done that? A lot of you may have learned. I, I, one of the first times I ever drove a real vehicle was in a pasture, right? Because you can't mess it up. You just, you just stay in the ruts. And it basically just drives yourself. You can take your hands off the wheel. Look, mono hands, you know what I mean? Through the pasture. Well, that's what a rut does. You, 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 you try to get out on your own and you just can't. But the Lord has been calling some of you out of some ruddy Behavior, I just know he has. Real quick, creating ruts. Here's, here's what creates ruts. Listen to me carefully. Ignoring God's words, a word. And I, when I say ignore, I mean like, I, 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 yeah, I'm, no. Ignoring his word, violating your conscious, conscience. You know, God speaks to us, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, says, no, 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 no. Not, not that way. No, not that. No, not him. Or no, not her. You guys know what I'm talking about? But we don't listen because we have our old habits. Uh, go against good advice. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. You don't get good advice. You don't listen. People try to tell you. They tried to tell you, but you didn't listen. Disobeying God's commandments. That's just flat out. Okay, I'm reading the word. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. We laugh, but we do that. Maybe not so blatantly. We kind of, well, I don't think I'm going to feed on the wrong food, filling ourselves up with things that's not going to produce anything righteous in us. Search for the wrong goals. You know, you want vision for your life and you try to establish vision for your life, but the vision for your life does not even line up with God's word. And that's, that's a little harder one to explain, but that resonates with somebody in here. Following ungodly friends. Maybe, maybe that's a big one for the teenagers. Half the teenagers aren't here tonight, but following ungodly friends. So what does, what does your life say about God's reputation? What rut has he been trying to lead you out of? And let's stand. I'll ask you one more question. Will you let God move you? Listen to me. Will you let God move you? Will you let him move you? You know how you avoid ruts? You, you follow the Lord. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you are weary, heavy burden. Come to me. You make an effort to get close to that. Another way, another way he said it, another place was come unto me. Like come close. Not just follow me, come unto me. Get here and get close. And then another way, to avoid ruts is staying close to him, remaining in him. He said, abide in me and I'll abide in you. He says, apart from me, you can't do nothing. But in me, you can do all things. Amen. What does your life say about God's reputation? What rut has God been trying to lead you out of? And it's one thing to get revelation on that for the Lord to show you. But here's the most important question that you have to leave with a solid answer and a commitment tonight. Will you let God move you? Will you let him move you? 
Lord, I pray for everyone in this room tonight. Lord, the words you've given us for this year are to go further and deeper. You want to take us further with you, deeper in you. And Lord, I believe this is part of the equation. Will we let you move us? Will, you, will, you, will we let you move us from this place to go further? Will we allow you to take us deeper? I pray that whatever you are revealing to the hearts of every visitor and member of the, of the Soma family tonight, I pray that there would be a commitment to let you do what you're moving us to do. Maybe it's a move emotionally, spiritually. Lord, it could even be a physical move that needs to happen in our lives to get us away from those unrighteous ruts. Lord, our commitment is to not only acknowledge what you've spoken to us, but to walk it out in obedience. Not to ignore your word or disobey it, but to take it to heart and let it lead us because thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We pray these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.